All right. We're in our storyteller series, and uh, we've been looking at parables of Jesus. Uh, I, I love the way Jesus uses stories about everyday situations uh, to tell really important theological points. And we've been looking at uh, some of those stories that Jesus tells. And so this week, our story comes from Luke chapter 11. Uh, and so if you've got your Bibles on you, or your Bible apps, or your church app, uh, in the sermon notes, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, uh, starting with verse 5 and going through 13. Uh, and of course, if you don't have it on you, it's on the screen for you. Uh, but here's what it says, Luke, Luke 11, verse 5. It says, then he said to them, them being the disciples, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right, so we've been in this storyteller series now for almost a month and uh, looking at the things that Jesus teaches and the stories he tells. And uh, many of us could probably tell some similar stories. And, and it's how we, it's as a culture, historically, we, this is how we do things. This is how we teach important lessons is we put them into stories that make more sense than the lesson taught directly. And so, so Jesus does that once again. In Luke chapter 11, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He's teaching them how to go to God. And if you, if you look just before the verses we read today, uh, Jesus is teaching them uh, what, what we, the church today refers to as the Lord's Prayer. It says, uh, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, the one in Luke is a little abbreviated from what, we, what we, uh, you're probably used to in church, if you've been in church. Uh, but the point is that Jesus is teaching them how to pray. And so he starts by saying, here's what you ask for. <laughs> here's the things you should be asking God for. And he, he prays for things like that his kingdom would come. That, that we'd have our daily bread. And, and that, that line for a lot of us is hard to understand because uh, we have a whole pantry full of food back home. And so to think that God gives us bread every single day doesn't even make sense, right? Uh, we're, we're a family of six. I go grocery shopping once a week. <laughs> Most of you are the same way. You, you go grocery shopping once, you're done for a little while. But Jesus says to pray every day, give us our daily bread. And my friends around the world uh, certainly understand what that's like because they don't have salaries and pantries and they literally have what they can eat today. 
So Jesus teaches them this lesson. Here's what you should pray for. Pray for the things you need and pray for the things that, that is on God's heart. But then he goes into this story and he says, suppose you have a friend. Now, all of us, I'm hoping, has a friend, all right? If you do not have a friend, come see me. I can hook you up. I will be your friend. Uh, I'm a little weird, so you got to be a little weird too. But I think we'll find that we can find some middle ground, all right? But all of us have a friend, all right? And, uh, and I was just having this, this conversation with somebody this last week that uh, suppose, like in the story Jesus tells here, suppose you're in trouble. Let's say it's something, let's say it's something simple. You've locked your keys in your car. I want you to think, who is the first person you're going to call when you lock your keys in your car to, to give you a ride home, to go back and get your other, the other set of keys or to go get your spouse or something? Who is it you're going to call, right? Most of us have a friend or two that we're like, man, I know that I would call this person. Now, if we're being honest, we also have a set of friends that we know we would never call in that situation because they're never going to answer their phone, <laughs> all right? Now, uh, there are weeks, I have to admit, where I'm that person. <laughs> and I think if we're all being honest, all of us have moments like that. But for the most part, we all have a friend or two that we're going to call when we're in trouble, when we have a, something that is immediate and we need somebody. And so Jesus tells this story from that perspective. He says, you have this guy has some guests come unexpectedly. His, his friends show up in the middle of the night and they're knocking at his door at midnight, it says. And they come to him and they say, I really need some bread because these people have shown up at my house unexpectedly. Uh, and and I have to think, you know, in this situation, these people probably just showed up at his house too, <laughs> right? So it's not just his friend that's being interrupted. This guy's life is being interrupted. He has to go to his friend for help. He says, I need some bread to feed these people. They've, they've shown up and I, I need to feed them. And the friend's response is very interesting. This is not the friend you're going to call. He says, don't bother me. Don't bother me. The door is locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and get you anything. So you would think that that'd be the end of the story, right? He, he goes to his friend. His friend goes, it's too late, man. Go away. <laughs> but then he says this. He says, I tell you, he won't get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. But because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So in other words, what Jesus is saying here is that he may because it's midnight and he's tired and he's maybe a little bit cranky. All right, look, my kids go to bed at like 7, 7.30 most nights. And uh, if you were to come to my house raging at my door at midnight, I probably would not be really thrilled either. All right, because people always ask me, you know, the kids go to bed at 7.30. How late do you stay up? 7.45. <laughs> we're trying to get sleep because we also, we also have a baby who does not understand that nighttime is sleeping time. <laughs> She's getting better. I got to give her credit. But you wake me up at midnight, I'm not going to be real thrilled. And so you would think that that's going to be the end of the story. But he says, look, he may not give it to you because he's your friend. However, the word they use here, they said boldness is, is in this translation. Uh, that word in the original language, kind of, if you do some work with it and you go back to the original, what it means, it's only used one time in the entire New Testament. Only once, and it's here. <laughs> And that word really means more of improper, right? It's an improper thing to do to wake up your friend at midnight to ask them for a favor. And so Jesus says, look, because it's such an improper thing to do, your friend will give you the thing you need. Now, 
in the, uh, we'll call it the, the Chad Yoder version of this, really what he's saying is, you will annoy your friend so greatly that your friend will give it to you so you will go away. <laughs> because when he talks about it being improper, what he's saying is most people are not going to wake you up at midnight because they need help. It's not the normal thing to do. And yet he says, your friend will give it to you because of your boldness. <laughs> So, so what does Jesus tell us to learn here, right? He's just told us to pray, right? He just taught us how to pray. And he says, you ask God for these things. And then he tells this story of somebody who asks in an improper way at the wrong time, maybe even of the wrong person. Here's what he says after the story. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And here's the interesting part. When we translation is hard. I don't know if you guys know that about scripture. The original language translated into English does not always translate well, just like our word for boldness is kind of hard to translate. It, I looked this week, I checked five different versions of, of scripture and all five of them had a different word in that boldness spot. <laughs> Some words are hard to translate. Well, sometimes it's because of the tense of the word. Uh, and so here, when it says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. All three of those, ask, seek, and knock are actually in a, in, 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 in like an active tense. All right. Now I, I am not a, an English major or teacher by any means, but essentially what that means is that this translation better translated is to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. In other words, to, to keep on doing it. Or in our Chad Yoder version this morning, be annoying about it. Ask until you're annoying. Seek until you're annoying. Knock until it's annoying. Knock until somebody opens the door. And I love, I love this connotation because so often when we pray, we think of prayer as sort of an improper thing, if we're being honest, right? We are, we are the undeserving servants begging at the door of God, right? We don't, we don't deserve to be there. We don't deserve for God to hear our prayers. Sometimes, sometimes we don't even pray because we feel that way. Well, why would God care about this thing that I care about? <laughs> and Jesus flips that completely on his head. And he says, you just keep asking until you get an answer. <laughs> now, there is a progression here with ask, seek, and knock. Because with ask, it implies that, you, that the person you're asking is right in front of you. Right? You can't ask somebody if, if you're not already in communication with them. If you're not, right? I can't ask somebody who's down three, three streets away. I can't ask them right now for a favor. So he says, if you're close, if you feel like you're close with God, ask and you'll receive. Keep asking and you will receive. Then he says, if you don't know where God is, because if we're being honest, we have moments like that in our lives where something hits and we think, man, where is God in this? How could God possibly be with me in this moment? He says, if you're not close enough to ask, then seek, look for him, find him, <laughs> look until you have found him. And then if you feel that, that he's closed off, you, you, you really can't get to him. He says, knock, knock at the door. You feel like there's something between you and God. And man, there have been times in my life where I felt that. There have been times in my life where I felt like, like I, was, I, was, uh, I was solo in a room and I couldn't figure out. I knew God was, out, was next to me somewhere, but I couldn't see him. 
So he says, keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Right? Whether you feel you're close to God or far away from God or somewhere in the middle, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Why? Because he says, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. There's this perseverance in this scripture. And, it, and honestly, it, it sort of goes back to last week. It's like a part two of last week. Right? We talked about waiting on the Lord last week. And when we wait, we talked about it being an active word, right? When we wait, we're doing these things. We're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking. When we wait, we don't just sit on our hands. We're actively doing these things. We're keeping on in our asking and in our seeking and in our knocking. And he says, you do that because those who ask will receive and those who seek find and those who knock, the door will be opened. This is why waiting is so important. That's why perseverance, boldness, he says, is so important. Because sometimes, if we're being honest, when we ask the first time, nothing happens. And we have this tendency when we've asked once or we've sought once or we've knocked once and, and nothing has happened, we think, well, God must not be listening. Nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. But he says, keep on keep on, right? Because here's the thing. If you come to my door at midnight and you ask me for some bread, I might have some bread, right? But at the door, when I answer the door, okay, so I'm picturing in my head, I answer the door, you're asking for bread. I don't have it on me, right? What am I going to do? I'm going to have to go to my pantry and go find the bread, right? So what if I go to find the bread and when I come back, you've already left? Well, he didn't, wouldn't give it to me. How often this is how we approach prayer, right? We say, God, I want this thing to happen. And we, we pray for it. And five minutes later, well, it didn't happen. So he's not listening. And this is why Jesus has to keep on asking, to keep on seeking. And it's why the keeping on and the waiting, it's why they link together. Because as we keep asking, we keep seeking, we have this assurance from Jesus that God is at work. Because sometimes I've found in my life that it takes some time for things to get lined up to get to the result that I was hoping for. <laughs> right? If you've, if you've been around here for a couple of years, uh, I can tell you that uh, my hope for having all the things resolved and being at the point we're at, in my timeline, it did not take two and a half years. <laughs> two and a half days, maybe. Let's get it done. Get it over with. And yet, God lines these things up. He lines them up. He lines them up. And what he asks for here is some trust. Because he says in verse 11, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, maybe your dad is super sarcastic. So maybe, maybe your dad really would pull one of those on you. But he says, he says, if you're a good parent and your kid is actually in need, which parent is going to say, no, thank you? And if you then, and he, he kind of takes this to an extreme, he says, if you then, though you're evil, he says, if you, even though you're imperfect and you make the wrong call, and sometimes you say the wrong thing, including to our kids, like let's be honest, parents, sometimes we say and we do the wrong things with our kids. One of the most valuable things that we can learn to do as parents is to apologize to our children. But he says, even, even you, even though you don't have things figured out, even though things are rough, 
They're not perfect in your life. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more so does God? How much more so does the one who is perfect and knows everything about your life, every detail beyond even what your head can comprehend? He's saying, look, trust God. Trust that when you keep on asking and when you keep on seeking and when you keep on knocking, at some point that door is going to open. That answer is going to come. That thing you've been looking for and seeking for is going to be there. He says, trust God. And I don't know about you, but this, this, one, this one stings a little bit for me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of being the one. You know, I, I come from my spiritual background uh, is probably much more uh, charismatic than most of yours, <laughs> all right? I, I come from a couple of, of churches in my history uh, that were very much the, like, we've prayed, we've laid hands, it's going to happen, you don't need to pray again. <laughs> and yet, I have seen the exact opposite, and then I read this and keep on asking. Okay. <laughs> and so we have this tendency... We go in our time of need and God doesn't answer immediately. We think, well, what do I do now? And Jesus says, keep on. Do you trust God or not? Right? That's, that's really what he's saying here. If you trust him, if you really believe that, that fathers can give good, good gifts and God can give good gifts, then, then you keep on asking. And you trust that eventually he's going to come back from the pantry with the bread. <laughs> and I love the analogy he uses because he, is, he essentially says that you should annoy God with your prayers. And I like that analogy because I don't actually think God can be annoyed. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, theologically speaking, where I, where I stand on that. That might take me some more research. Uh, but uh, the idea that we go to God so much that if God were us, he'd be annoyed with us. And I wonder, and I think about my own prayer life, and I think, is that how I pray? Do I pray so fervently and adamantly and consistently that if it were anybody but God, they'd be annoyed with me? Is that how I pray? And that's really, that's the, the question I want to put out to you this morning. Do we pray as people who keep on asking? Do we pray as people who keep on seeking, who, who keep on knocking, who keep on looking for God until they have found the answer? Is that how we pray? Do we trust God that even if he hasn't answered us immediately, that he's still working on it? That he's lining the things up and making things happen? Do we trust him enough to wait a little bit, but to keep on praying, to keep on knocking? Because I can tell you, if you, if you uh, knocked at my door one time at midnight, I probably won't hear you, right? Now, if you ring my doorbell, uh, my dogs will make sure that I hear you. But if you keep on knocking and you keep on ringing, I can guarantee you I'm going to hear you. And here's something this morning, I, and this is what's been on, on my mind this week as I've been preparing for this. You know, we're, we're going to we're gonna take communion this morning and we're going to share in the Lord's table. And I think of communion, I think of the sacrifice that, that Jesus makes for us. And I think of how long the waiting took for God's people. <laughs> and how long they waited with anticipation. 
Because it wasn't just that they, that they were, that they prophesied, yeah, we're going to have this Messiah, it's going to be great, great things are going to happen. And then they forgot about it. This was the key thing for years. It was the promise they waited on and waited on and they prayed and they prayed. You know, and I can tell you as part of my, as part of my seminary work, I had to, I had to go to a service uh, in a synagogue and all of the, the liturgy and the reading and the worship, uh, most of it was centered around this waiting, this coming of the Messiah that they're waiting for. And so this morning, it's almost like we get an extra dose of assurance of God's promises when we take communion because, because we've seen that even though it took a couple thousand years, God came through. They asked and they sought and they knocked and God came through. And God comes through for us. And so this morning, communion is a reminder, not just that he would sacrifice for us, but that his promises come true, that the waiting, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, it's all worth it <laughs> because we get to see the fruit. Maybe you're waiting this morning. You've been in a season where you've been asking and asking and seeking and seeking. You haven't seen anything. And I want you to know that my heart is with you this morning because I've been in those seasons. But I also, I also want you to know as somebody who's been in those seasons and who has asked and sought and knocked over and over and over again, it's worth it. You know, it dawned on me last week uh, I got saved at 17. My parents uh, were Christians. Uh, they believed in God, but we never really went to church. And, uh, and so I, I got saved at 17. A friend invited me to a birthday party, and that ended up in me being saved the next day. It's, it's a story, I'll tell you. But I tell that story because this. I drove myself to church for a long time uh, because I was the only one in my family who went. And so I drove myself to church, and, and I remember praying for years. It's like, God, if you can just get a hold of my parents. Right? Like, I know they believe, but if you could just help them take that next step, like just help them get there, help them get there. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I thought, oh man, it's been years. Right? That was 15 years ago I got saved. <laughs> Last week I had a, a phone call with my dad and uh, he told me how they've been watching this church online uh, that they really enjoy. And I thought, man, that's kind of cool. Like, okay, theologically, I may not fall in the same place, but... We've been watching this church online, and I thought, okay, steps in the right direction. Maybe I'm seeing a little fruit. And he goes, man, and I've been, I've been seeing, uh, they're doing this challenge of some kind, and he's like, so I've been reading a chapter of Proverbs every day this year. I thought, my dad's doing what? And I, it was a perfectly normal conversation, and, and after I got done talking to him, I, it dawned on me that the thing I had prayed for for 15 years was happening right in front of me, and I missed it somehow. <laughs> 15 years I prayed. So I share that this morning to tell you, keep asking, keep seeking, keep